The Watership Down podcast is intended for listeners who are familiar with the plot. There will be spoilers. This episode is scripted by Newell Fisher, Liam McKayla and Sean Hagins, and is narrated, recorded and edited by Newell Fisher. Hello, and welcome to the Watership Down podcast, episode 115, in which we will be looking at the sixth story from part three of Tales from Watership Down, chapter 17 of the overall book, Sandwort. First, though, a reminder about our appeal to raise funds for the Rabbit Welfare Association and Fund. Last week I said I would be calling this the Primrose Appeal due to the mention of primroses at the start of Watership Down at this time of year. Well, I've since realised that this is too close to the name of other worthy charities, so I've dropped that word, but the appeal is still very much up and running. Please give generously. The link to Just Giving will be in the notes. Next, I'd like to say a few things about the Watership Down video game footage that Eric Steps posted on YouTube. This kind of foreshadows the approaching start of the episodes in which I'll be starting to look at the 1999-2001 TV series. My basic approach, which I'll go into in more detail on at the time, will be to separate style from substance, more specifically the difference between how it looks and the actual stories that are told. For example, near the start of this game we get a good demonstration of Hazel's natural talent for diplomacy as he persuades Bigwig to let him see the Threara. We are presented with alternatives that would not work and these emphasise Hazel's careful use of language. Then we descend into a bizarre deviation from the original story as Bigwig, having left the Owsler, has to navigate the labyrinth of a warren he has, checks notes, spent his whole life in. There is then a fight between the escapees from Sandalford and the Owsler, based on a grid that I found the rules of very strange, but hey, it's a video game, so there will be such things. At the point the game joins where the TV series starts, by the River Enborn, there is a physical challenge, basically keyboard pounding, to get Fiverr, Pipkin and the female Blackberry, for some reason, across the river and away from the dog. After feeding in the wood, with a lettuce Hazel somehow carried from the Threaral's barrow in-game, Pipkin meets Kihar, and we hear German Kihar's Hamburg accent, based on Captain Blaubeer, as explained by Ausler member Nina, Nina Pokowski in episode 80. It was excellent to understand this reference, and to hear this voice for Kihar. Not being a German speaker, before ich mich unschuldigen muss, I was just about able to detect the different accent. The conversation between Pipkin and Kihar seems to direct the rabbits towards Warship Down, and they then end up at the farm nearby. There, the rabbits sit out in the open eating cabbages, while Kihar talks with Hannah the Mouse, who we'll meet for the first time in game, in game. She is a character unique to the TV series, who I suspect will have Watership Down originalists foaming at the mouth. The inevitable cat turns up and attacks Kihar, which happens in the book before he meets the rabbits. Hannah then saves Kihar from the cat by using nearby and collected in-game objects to throw a stone that scares it away. Kihar and Hannah then run past the rabbits in the cabbage field as Kihar cries out, Alarm! Alarm! This reminded me of the best German war film of all time, Das Boot, 1981, and I must admit it made me laugh. There is then a bizarre episode in which Pipkin has to get through a wood at night while evading a lil before rejoining the rest of the group. And then they reach Watership Down. And that is the end of the first game. More to come as Eric has just posted up part two. Thank you so much for the time you spent on this, Eric. So then, let's see what's happening on our favourite down.
Part 3, Story 6, Chapter 17, Sandwort The opening quotation is from the Christian Bible, Ezekiel 2.4, and is simply a reference to impudent and stubborn children, though, as often in translations of the Bible, whether it refers to literal children or just people as children of God seems uncertain. In any case, the prophet Ezekiel seems to have been one who said that the Hebrew diaspora would be gathered together in the promised land. What follows will provide an example of that in microcosm. Having reached the end of the collection of tales that deal with the establishment of the co-chiefdom of Hazel and Heisenfang on Watership Down, there now seems to be a passage of some time before this next tale begins. Nireem, who Heisenfay rescued in the previous chapter, recovers and is referred to as coming under the influence of a strong buck by the name of Sandwort, whose mother, Melsa, is a descendant of Clover, the rescued hutch rabbit, who was the first doe to be quoted in a 1972 novel. Sandwort is strong for his age and very willful. He attracts the attention of the older rabbits for the wrong reasons, and Silver tries to speak to his mother, who doesn't know what to do about him. He basically doesn't regard himself as subordinate to any other rabbit on Watership Down, and is gathering quite a following. Adams says that in, in a relatively free and easy warren such as Watership Down, this need not be such a problem, except that Sandwort is disobeying instructions about staying out of sight of humans, dominating the honeycomb, and is also leading expeditions away from the warren involving younger rabbits. When asked about where he's been, he says it is no one else's business and is quite arrogant about it. Except that one day, Sandwort returns from one of these expeditions with one fewer rabbit than he left with. When Sandwort is asked about Crowler, the missing doe, Sandwort denies any knowledge, saying that he is not responsible for any rabbit who happens to leave the warren at the same time he does. Somehow, one gets the feeling we are dealing with themes of rights and responsibilities. Crowler does not return and Sandwalk continues to deny any responsibility. At this point, Hazel starts to take an active interest. He questions Sandwalk closely about what happened, and crucially about his attitude towards it, and is evidently angered by his refusal to take any responsibility for inexperienced young rabbits who go on expeditions with him. This included Nireem, who is still not fully recovered. Hazel discusses the matter with Bigwig and Fiverr. It is clear that Crowler has been killed. Bigwig's solution is predictable and basically involves beating Sandwort up. However, Fiverr counsels caution. Doing that will only make him seem more of a rebel to his friends. Besides, technically, Sandwort isn't doing anything wrong. This isn't the Ephrafra of old, and they are all free to come and go as they please. It's just that no reasonable rabbit would behave in this way. Bigwig says he has to be stopped. Fiverr suggests forbidding him to leave the warren, except to Silflay, but Hazel says that is too much like Woundboard. They will leave him be for now, but if it happens again, they will have to act. The Warren on Watership Down is very libertarian in some ways, but as ever, it only takes one person or rabbit with no regard for others to make that start to be a bad idea. A couple of days later, Sandwort deliberately and dangerously mocks the caution of seasoned patrollers Silver and Blackavar in front of some of his followers. Small incidents like this continue until it becomes obvious that these are being caused deliberately by Sandwort. Eventually, one such incident results in blows, with an older rabbit coming off worse against Sandwort. Holly overhears a reference to Sandwort's Owsler, and Bigwig has to be restrained from going to find him until Hazel points out that this was not said by Sandwort. What is Sandwort's problem? Is he a narcissist? A sociopath? A psychopath? In any case, it is fairly clear that we are seeing, in action, the way a leadership takeover might happen in a warren, and frankly in the human world as well. 
This will probably end with a fight between Sandworth and Bigwig. If Bigwig wins, Sandworth will either die or have to submit to Hazel's authority or leave the Warren. If Sandworth wins, Hazel, who had, to, who had to have his captain of Alsla fight for him, will be finished as Chief Rabbit, along with Heisenthalay. The stakes are very high, and Hazel's free and easy approach is under severe test. However, a few days later, another crisis eclipses this one. Two young friends of Sandworth, Crowfoot and Foxlove, return from an expedition asking to see Hazel. While raiding the garden of the big house, they are attacked by a large dog. Sandworth told them to separate, and they all ran in different directions. Funny, really, for a rabbit who had no responsibility for anyone else. Later, when they found Sandworth, he had fallen into a smooth-sided human-made pit. He is not injured, but cannot get out. Hazel tells Fiverr and Blackberry to come with him straight away. After a while, they find Sandworth at the water-covered bottom of a concrete-lined trench designed to hold water. Not being from an agricultural background, I'm not clear what this is meant to be. In any case, not even Blackberry can see a way to get poor Sandworth out. He says he is likely to die quite slowly, unless a human finds him there first. They return to the Warren, sad that there is nothing they can do to prevent Sandworth dying in a few days. On the third day, Nairim and Tindra, both friends of Sandworth, go to the trench despite Hazel telling everyone to stay away. Sandworth's eyes are closed and flies are buzzing around him. Wet cracker lies by his tail. Then, suddenly, they hear human children approaching. The edge of the trench is in the open, so they find cover. The children spot Sandworth and start to argue about whether he is dead. In order to prove he isn't, one of them, a boy, lowers himself into the trench and retrieves Sandworth, leaving him on the edge of the trench. An older girl calls them away, and they leave Sandworth. Nairim and Tindra manage to revive him and lead him back to the Warren. Hazel scolds Tindra for what they did, going back to where Sandwort was, but acknowledges that they have probably saved his life as it happens. As for Sandwort, he becomes a changed character. A few weeks later, Achlesi, staying a few days on Watership Down, asks Dandelion who that poor rabbit is, indicating Sandwort. And Dandelion offers to tell him the story of his lucky escape. Is, is it canon, canon? I've had an email from Owsler member Sean Hagens about this section, which is worth reading out and addressing. Sean says, quote, There is something I wanted to point out to you for a few weeks with your Is It Canon section. Do you realise that you defined canon as Adam sticking to the original flavour of the Warship Down novel earlier, but when he deviates from this form in a way you like, you still give it the canon seal? End quote. Thank you for the comment, Sean. It gives me a chance to revisit this section. The fact is that this section of the podcast is supposed to produce disagreement, as there is no objective answer to the question, is it canon? You have to begin to address the question with a premise. If canon means that which is true, one could choose to define only the original 1972 novel as canon. Or you could decide that only what Richard Adams wrote is canon, in which case all of Tales is automatically canon as well, but the 1978 film is not. Or you could decide that the original novel and the 1978 film are canon, and every other portrayal of Warship Down has to earn canon status. This is the approach I have chosen to take, which is why this section did not start until we started looking at Tales. But this was just a choice of premise on my part, though one which I remain comfortable with. <clears throat> So my personal granting of canon status will generally fall under one of two categories. One, 
is what is being considered the first portrayal of an event from the original novel on film, an example being the portrayals of the tales of Anna Frara in the 1999 TV series. Two, this is the more controversial one. Does what is being considered build on the original portrayal of Watership Down in a way that could improve its reception for a modern audience sufficiently for it to now be considered canon, especially if it was written by the original author? This is very, very subjective. <clears throat> for example, I personally think the enhanced role of female characters in Tales qualifies, but soon we will encounter the regendering of male characters as females, for example, Blackberry being a doe in the 1999 TV series. What about that? In advance of such controversies, it is important to note that saying something is not canon doesn't necessarily mean it isn't a good idea. Personally, I think the better representation of females in Tales is an improvement on the original novel, but Blackberry was a male character, so a female Blackberry surely cannot be canon, even if you think it is a good idea in order to further redress the balance, and a decision to regender him very much was not made by Richard Adams. At least that's how I see it. And I hope that addresses the original question. Anyway, is the chapter Sandwort canon? Well, when I first started to read this book, this chapter had exactly the kind of episode I was hoping for, namely the challenges of running an established war on Watership Down and how the leadership dealt with this. So yes, very much canon. And it's realistic themes of the kind of real personality-based crises that might afflict an established war ring very true. Hazel's permissive attitude risks an escalation of this crisis that could have been avoided by earlier strong action, yet such action, on balance, was judged to probably make the situation worse. In the end, the lucky break of Sandworth's recklessness getting the better of him is what resolves the situation, so that, though this was not by design. And the reforming effect of Sandworth's lucky rescue was surely by no means guaranteed. Hazel is a very good leader, but Sandworth demonstrates some of his potential weaknesses. Weaknesses he presumably overcame in the following years he was blessed to live, for he seems to have ended his life still Chief Rabbit. This indicates that Hazel, having won the war, did indeed then eventually win the peace. So anything that indicates his possible journey towards that victory, I would say, qualifies as canon. Leah Michaela adds, quote, Going on about the story of Sandwort, I must say Sandwort and Stonecrop are such stories in Tales that I had forgotten even were there. Like I said before, when I returned to Tales, I often returned to the Anna stories, and read more seldom these stories about later life in Watership Down Warren, and apparently, while stories about Secret River, Flyeth, Great Winter, New Warrens and finally New Wide Patrols have left memories and earned their place either in canon or near it, Sandwort and Stonecrop seemingly haven't. I just keep forgetting they existed. I haven't made much remarks about something being canon or not, partly because I had been writing mostly commentary about the Alacrera stories before there was discussion, is something canon or not, and because they take place in the mythical realm, I'm ready to take the stance they'd all be canon, as myths can't always be bound to the rules of daily life. Sandwort basically could be canon. It's a story that probably was a breathtaking adventure for those, to those involved, but doesn't bring that much news into the larger picture. A bit like generally adventurous episode of a TV show, that's not developing the larger story arcs of the season. Well, OK, maybe the addition to the larger picture is mentioned of Clover being Sandwort's grandmother. Sandwort gets described as being bigger and stronger than others, and the relation to, to Clover might explain that, since a lot of domestic rabbit breeds are indeed larger than average wild rabbits. 
It might be, though, if Sandwort has other large relatives, they aren't troublemakers, and therefore their size doesn't get specifically mentioned. This story shows Hazel and his generation more as middle-aged father figures in conflict with the younger generation who's not respecting rules and values of the early gen earlier generations. And in this case, the younger generation learns the hard way there's a reason why the older generation sticks to some rules, like looking after each other. In short, Sandwort doesn't care about looking after others in his company until he gets in a life-threatening situation and is saved back to life by those who did unlike him and looked after each other. Well, technically, Sandwalk gets saved from the water tank by humans, but hadn't those other cut rabbits come to look after him, there's a chance a Lil would have gotten him at his weakest. So there's even a moral to the story. And in the end, there's Dandelion telling the story to Achlesi. I wonder if the story we just got to read was Dandelion's description of what happened, or if Dandelion tells a different story to the next listener. Also, a random note. It caught my attention that in Finnish translation, those two rabbits who came to tell Hazel about Sandwort's accident have the name of a poisonous plant, Buttercup and Foxglove, when in Watership Down it was said rabbits very seldom had names of poisonous plants, and therefore the artist from the Warren of the Stairs having such a name felt worrisome. In Sandwort, those names aren't really returned to, and I didn't pick the symbolism they might have had, so I'm not sure if it is just translation, some carelessness in naming the characters, or some such symbolism I just didn't get. Tindra, the name of the doe active in saving Sandwort, seems more familiar. I have a vague memory of some dragon in some other fantasy book or series being named Tindra, but when I tried googling it, on came no dragons, so I might remember wrong. Instead, I learned that Tindra is the Scandinavian name that means to glimmer or to shimmer. Another fur shimmering like dew, perhaps? On the other hand, since Tindra is one of those names not mentioned in Lapine Dictionary, it could mean anything else in Lapine. Tales brings up quite a few lot of new names that are not given meaning. End quote. Thank you for those thoughts, Leah. The origin of some of these names is very interesting. And, sadly, we are now only two stories away from the end of Tales from Watership Down. So there won't be many more to encounter. Next time, the Warren encounters another challenge from outside, and the seeming escalation of violence on Watership Down continues. Mm -hmm.